Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. the story of a couple in our church who God has given a lot to. Watch this story. Oh, my name is Christina. I've been at Journey for about three years now. My name is Mark. I've been going to Journey Church for just over two years now. Uh, Christina and I worked at the same hospital. Uh, she was a nurse and I was a tech. So uh, sometimes I would have to go do um, studies on her patients. So I remember um, just going in and out of her rooms and catching little flirty vibes from <laughs> Tina. And she'll tell you that. She said some things that made it quite obvious that she was interested. I think it was about the third study. After the third study I did on her patient, she had asked me, you know, what do I have to do to get you to come do all my studies? And then shortly after that, um, he had texted me. I think about two days later, we went out on our first date. We went, we met up at Disney Springs, we had dinner together, and we talked and talked, and it was like, it felt like I had known him for a while, just because he made it so easy to be able to talk to. And um, Tina stopped me after we got some coffee, and she wanted to share something with me. I remember looking at him and exactly where we were at, and I looked at him and I said, I am not going to be with anybody until the day I get married. That is the one thing that I value and that I want to save for the day that God puts that person in front of me. And I said, and it's okay with me if that's not what you want, then you know this won't be a thing. Or if that's something that you are okay with and interested in, then great, we can keep on going on dates and talking. I just don't want to waste your time or mine. And for me, when I heard that, I was kind of taken back. That was the first time I probably ever heard a girl tell me that, you know, that she was actually waiting for marriage. So I grew up in a household where faith was super important. Um, always went to church on Sundays, but my parents were always an example of just God being first in our lives. And, and religion was never something that was forced on me. It was more of like I saw my parents' relationship and how they served others, and I saw the fruit of that in their lives. So that's always what I wanted to be like. So growing up, I grew up with two loving parents and an older sister. Uh, we were more free to do what, what we wanted. You know, I still respected my parents, but they gave us uh, more freedom with everything that we did. Um, growing up Catholic was more of like a, a chore, I guess, in a way. I had had tons of failed relationships and experiences with, with girls and stuff, so I almost, I took that and was like, you know what, I need to do something different. And I was like, you know, I've never done that way before. So I was like, let's try that way and see if it works, because every other way I've done it never worked out. So it was, a, it was a very big learning experience for me, especially with my background and Tina's background coming together. There was obviously going to be some things that we needed to talk about. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges we had, or I guess even one of my biggest fears was, that something from my past affecting us in this relationship now. So um, you know, Tina, she set the expectation from the beginning but she also wanted to know like who I was and she's protecting herself. So she asked a lot of the, a lot of hard questions. Um, you know, like how many people have you been with before me? Um, what drugs did you do? What experiences should I know about? 
that could affect us now? And you know, all great questions. And the answers that she did get were definitely not answers that she wanted to hear. But because I established that trust at the beginning, we are where we are today with our trusting relationship. So actually, Tina invited me to church for the first time, Journey Church. So during that time, it was actually the Love, Sex, and Marriage series was just starting. And uh, what a perfect time, right? <laughs> and then it, was, it wasn't until that second time where, uh, you know, that's when I think it hit me the most close to home. And um, I remember just sitting there listening to JJ speak. And, um, you know, Love, Sex, and Marriage were going through all the things I was doing wrong. I mean, I just felt completely attacked, right? <laughs> in, in a good way. Um, and I just knew, I'm like, you know, he's right. Like everything that I was doing, everything that I thought was how a relationship should be was not the right way to do it. That's when I really started to feel like the Holy Spirit for the first time, just like in my chest. I think, you know, this is what I need to be doing because I never felt like that before. So it was actually at that uh, service where I gave my life to Christ. And now we are officially engaged, <laughs> as you can see here. <laughs> She said yes. So, um, no, we're just very, very much looking forward to our future. And, you know, we, we know it's going to be promising because of the way that we built it, you know, from God first and everything else that comes after that. So, we know with that strong foundation, our love and our relationship is going to last. Well, give it up for Christina and Mark. Give it up for Jesus. Come on, he made that happen. And give it up for yourselves, just you creating this kind of environment that makes those kind of moments possible. How about Mark, huh? He got himself Jesus and a girl. Let's go, Mark. And how about Christina? She knew exactly what she was doing when she brought him to love, sex, and marriage. She was like, you want to go on a date? He was like, yeah. She was like, church, boom. It's, ladies, that's how you get them. That's how you, first date's always a church. Just bland, but it could work. You never know. Listen, um, we've been in this sermon series called uh, Fearless and Faithful. Fearless and Faithfulness. We've been exploring these dichotomies. A dichotomy is something that, uh, two things that should not coexist, but somehow do. We talked about fear and faith, how we think that those two don't belong, and then they do. And we talked about last Sunday about need and feed, about how I'm caught between the reality of my need and still the responsibility to feed the people around me, and I'm, and I'm caught. And today, we're going to explore another kind of balance between two uh, different subjects, and, and I want to introduced the topic today with a story that's a little personal. I've, I've never shared this story before publicly, um, but honestly, uh, I hope it, it uh, well, I hope you'll still come to church after I share this story. I, I just don't know any other way to lead. Um, I, I told God when he called me to be a pastor that I can do it, but I can't be fake. So I just got to be me and uh, be transparent. And hopefully me is enough for you for those who come to church. And so 2020, uh, shocker, uh, was a tough year for me. <laughs> you too? Cool. Um, but it really wasn't just 2020. In 2018 and in 2019, year two and three of our church, um, God really did something special in our church. There was a lot of growth at our church. At one point, we were named the 10th fastest growing church in the United States. And, and all of that seems really good on the outside, but on the inside, it was doing something to me. Because as the church began to grow, pressure began to build up inside of me. And, and you guys meant well, but you would always make it worse. Because after service, I come off the pulpit and you or your friend or your mother, or your sister will be like, oh, my gosh, Pastor JJ, that sermon. Oh, my God. It changed my life. It's so cool. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I love you. <laughs> and somebody's like, I'm never going to do that again to him. The problem with that was I knew that I wasn't the reason why this church was growing. 
I knew it wasn't my sermons, but that pressure on doing the best sermon ever or else the church is going to grow and people are going to go to hell. And I was like, I got to do the very best. Well, all of that performance pressure started to build up anxiety in me. And I started to wrestle with anxiety. And I wish I could say it was like not at church, but even at church, even before the sermon, during the sermon, sometimes I would forget what I was going to say. I'd blank out. I'd get scared. I'd ask the worship team to come up and play some songs. And y'all thought it was a spiritual moment. It was me medicating my anxiety with some worship music. It just wasn't a good look. And then COVID happened on top of all that. Then when COVID happened, I was like, I need to go to a therapist. And so I decided to go to a therapist. I'd never been to one before. I always knew I needed to go. But when COVID came and it pushed everybody's anxiety levels to the roof, I was like, I got to go because there was some stuff coming out of me. And I did say that sentence the right way, coming out of me. A lot of y'all think COVID did something to you. COVID didn't do something to you. COVID brought out something that was already there. Do not miss the fact that the most vulnerable population to COVID biologically is the population that had pre-existing conditions. The way this gets you mentally and emotionally and spiritually is by bringing out what was already there. If your marriage had any pre-existing conditions, it was affected by COVID. If your mental strength and mental health had any pre-existing conditions, it was affected by COVID. If you had issues with your friends or families, all of that was affected by COVID. And so stuff started coming out and I went to the therapist and it was just like in the movies, you know, like, because I'd never been before, except there was no couch because it was on Zoom. Because COVID. And so I go in our first session, and he, he goes through the whole, you know, tell me your past and stuff. And he's like, we got to find the root of this anxiety. And he's a Christian counselor. I always recommend going to a Christian therapist so they can come at it from all perspectives, biologically, socially, and spiritually. And so we started going to my past, and some stuff came out that my mom, when she was in the first service, she didn't even know, and she heard it for the first time. Um, I, this moment came where I, I saw myself as a kid, and I was in front of my fridge, and I got an A on my test, and I gave the test to my mom, and my mom put the A on the fridge. How many people remember getting your tests on the fridge? And I was so proud of that. I was like, oh my gosh, look at my A. It's so great. Then my sister came home, and my sister came home with her test, and her test was a C. And my mom takes her C. C. And she puts it right next to my A. My sister had different standards. My mom and, and my mom and my dad, they didn't mean wrong. Like they meant well. What they were trying to communicate to my sister was, hey, it doesn't matter what you get. We're proud of you for who you are. Like, amen for that. You're great parents. But I didn't take it that way. It didn't matter what she great. If, her, if she just put her name on the test, she got on the fridge. But me, I had to get an A. I had to get an A to get on the fridge, but not her. And I carried that with me my whole life because I realized or I thought to myself in life, if I don't be an A in my marriage, my wife will leave me. If I don't be an, be an A in church, the, the church will close. If I don't be an A in school, if I don't be an A with my friends, if I don't be an A, they'll leave me because my acceptance is dependent upon their approval. So I've got to be the best that I can be or else I won't get loved. And my therapist started telling me, he goes, JJ, that's temptation and that's sin. I said, well, how is that? This was this year. This, this was my, the most the biggest breakthrough for me in 2020. I said, well, how was that temptation? He says, because the devil knows he's not going to get you with cocaine, heroin, and strip clubs. And so he has to switch up the strategy. And if he can't get you by trying to be your worst, he'll get you by get you trying to be the best. I said, well, that's the temptation. What's the sin called? And I never heard it before. He said, the sin is called perfectionism. Because you are trying to be something that only one person in this world has ever been, Jesus Christ. 
the best. Is there anybody who can relate to me this morning? It's sometimes I'm trying to be the best all the time. Come on, maybe you're trying to be the best in your profession, right? You're going to all the conferences, reading all the books, going through the podcast, listening to the YouTube videos, producing your own YouTube videos, all so that you can sell the home, all so that you can get the promotion. And there's nothing wrong with success. The problem is success is fine. You know you have a problem when, fail you, when failure hurts you like it does. When, when if you succeed, you feel good, but if you fail, you feel ashamed. Like if it was an indictment on your personality. Any moms trying to be the best mom? Because, I mean, that's super easy nowadays. If you want to be an easy, I mean, if you want to be the perfect mom, all you got to do is have a Pinterest home, an Instagram body. A Pinterest home, an Instagram body, you got to take your kids to the zoo, you got to work out five days a week, you got to feed them organic kale and carrots. And that's just if you're a stay-at-home mom. If you got a J-O-B, you got to do that on top of your job to bring home. And I can take this example over and over, right? And people trying to be the best friends, trying to be the best boss, trying to be the best son or daughter, trying to be the best husband or wife. Some of y'all trying to be the best student that you can be, Journey Youth. So for some of y'all in Journey Youth, you don't fail when you get an F, you fail when you get a B. You fail when you get a B because you're like, oh my gosh, what is it? The world's coming to an end. A B for better luck next time. This is terrible. <laughs> Like, it's a B. That's not failing. Failing is F. That's why they starts with an F. <laughs> Trying to always be the best. And then my therapist sent me an email, and it, it, after we talked about all this, and, it, and the Holy Spirit used one sentence in it to break me, to set me free. It was a sentence comparing perfectionism and this desire to do the best, which what God would have us live our life. And it was two sentences, and, and this was the comparison. And the first sentence, it said this. It said, my best isn't good enough. That's wrong. And I felt like that so many times. My best isn't good enough because it's not the best. And then he said, what you need to do is you need to switch that sentence around into this sentence. And this was the sentence that set me free, that the Holy Spirit used to set me free. Not my best isn't good enough, but I am pleased with my best. I learned that there's a difference, and this is the title of my message, between the best and your best. The best and your best. I want to talk about these two today. The best and your best. Because we have all been put in situations where we have found out that our best isn't enough. Say Amen. Sometimes we find that out in a failed marriage. Sometimes we find that out on a physics exam. Sometimes we find that out in a pink slip or getting furloughed or finding out you're not essential. I didn't, I thought I was, I breathed and eat. I thought I was essential. Guess you're not essential enough. But have you ever asked the question, not enough for who? For who? Not enough for who? Luke chapter 20, verse 45 through 47. Within earshot of all the people, Jesus warned his disciples, don't follow the example of these pretentious experts of the law. They love to parade around in their clergy robes so they're honored wherever they go, sitting right up front in every meeting and pushing for the head of the table at every banquet and all for appearances sake. They will pray long religious prayers. Come on, how many people know somebody like that? Like, bro, we're hungry. <laughs> Say Amen. Praying long prayers at the homes of widows for an offering, cheating them out of the very livelihood. Beware of them all, for they will one day be stripped of honor and the judgment they receive will be severe. If you're taking notes, you got to understand the difference between the best and your best. The best is about appearance. Your best is about acceptance. The priests were ministers to God, but they forgot who they were ministering to. And so they started to do things to show off in front of people, and they did the showing off by going long. Bible said they had long robes 
and prayed long prayers. Have you ever gone long to impress somebody? I know I have. I got this opportunity to preach at one of the biggest churches in Tampa when I was like 19 years old. Do you remember that? Yeah, try to remember this. And it was a big church. And like, even my pastor, I never got invited to speak there. And I was like, oh, this is going to be my opportunity. Like, the doors are going to open. And my, my preaching ministry is going to blow up. I'm going to end up on YouTube. It's going to be great. Didn't happen like that. I got up there. Oh, by the way, it was Mother's Day, which is like the day when all the first-time guests come. It's also the day when everybody wants to get out quick so they can go eat. I wanted to impress them so bad, I preached an hour and 15 minutes. Exactly. The pastor came up to me at the end, and I thought he was like going to like praise me and be like, great job, JJ. He was like, I don't think you need to work on your preaching right now. That was not good. He told me straight up like that. That was not good. And he just ran into me. There were people who needed to go home. And I was like, hey, you invited me, okay? <laughs> it was so discouraging. I called my wife up, and I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to preach again. Like, right, babe? I made that phone call. It was a legit call. Have you ever gone long? Let me say it another way. Have you ever overcompensated to impress somebody? Some of y'all fellas, you know, you were skinny in high school. And then you found the gym. Forget working out three days a week. You there seven days, seven days a week, baby. Not just seven days a week, seven days a week, three times a day. Yeah, you discovered a creatine and you discovered the pre-workout and the post-workout and your body is 80% protein, okay? You don't, even, you don't even drink it anymore. You just draw lines in the kitchen counter. You just inhale the stuff, just trying to get jacked, just protein running in your veins. Hey, I don't mind that you're trying to look good and trying to be strong. My only question is, for who? That's the only question I want to ask you, for who? Ladies, I appreciate, as a fella, let me tell you, we appreciate all the work you put in to being beautiful. And now that I'm a husband who helps pay for some of those beauty products, because we got this whole curly hair thing going on at Journey Church right now. I don't know if you've seen a lot of the girls. That curly hair stuff is expensive. Uh-uh. My wife was like, we got to put this in to get the right curls. I was like, girl, I got anointing oil for that. We'll just pray right here. Just, you want to shine? I got shine right there. We ain't paying all that for that. I'm not going to knock it. I appreciate the beauty of my wife. I, I appreciate it. I'm just asking you if you're going to put that much time, money, effort, energy, have you just asked the question, for who? Because if you're not enough without it, you will never be enough for him with it. So you just got to ask yourself, for you, for you clean freaks, when you have somebody coming over your house, clean, but clean like a normal person. What are you talking about, Pastor JJ? Let me tell you what you clean when people come over your house. You, you, you vacuum and you do the dishes. We don't need the Clorox, Lysol, uh, surgical glove, uh, magnifying glass, moving the couch, picking up the little thing, and then putting it over there, and then painting the walls. And <laughs> Why are you doing all that? We got company coming over. <laughs> well, I just love a clean house. Really? Or are you doing it for... Are you doing it because the idea of appearing any less than perfect freaks you out? Who are you doing it 
four. It's the best way I can illustrate it really quickly. Come on here, ladies. We've got two of our amazing worship team members. We've got Faye and we have my sister, Victoria. And I need them to help me out because when I was a youth pastor, I used to be the one in charge of the worship team. And I had to be in charge of auditions as well. And so there were always two types of people that auditioned for the worship team. And, and Faye and Victoria are going to pretend to be one of these two people. Now, I just want to say a disclaimer in advance that they are not the people that they are pretending to be. <laughs> they are not the people that they're representing. So don't look at them and be like, oh, I can't believe you like that. They're not like that at all. But I needed their help to prove a point. And so, Faye, we're going to do this song. Victoria, we're going to do this song. And then I want you to do it. And this is like your worship audition. But this is me when I was a youth pastor. I was like, all right, play this song. Um, You're still my first love. You're still my only one. All right, Faye, go ahead. You're up. You're still my first love. You're still my only asking for all that <laughs> nobody asked her for all that we said sing it like this but she sang it like that you know why because she thought who am I singing for if I sing for you I'm gonna do it like that because I want myself to look good but the better fan makes herself look good the less attention God gets when you are living life for the wrong audience you live life. Oh, 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 look at my posts. <laughs> and be like, you put eight filters on that. What are you doing? <laughs> Do less. Do less. When you have the wrong audience, you live your life trying to run all the time. You're running everywhere. Running in marriage, running in your business, running at work, running. What do you call that? A run. Just running, running, running because you got the wrong audience in mind. Now we got... Victoria, who's going to sing like the other person who showed up for worship auditions? Keep in mind that this is her pretending to be this person. Go ahead, Victoria. For still my There was a whole half of that song that you missed, but okay. No, you're good, you're good, you're good. <laughs> when this girl showed up for worship, and this was the true story, I told her, you can't be a part of the worship team. <laughs> and she got so mad and sad, she went home and got her mom. Then her mom came. You, you leaders know the deal, and the moms come. Why can't my daughter be on the worship team? That's why she told me, she said, she sings for God. Who were you to tell her she can't sing? Which I was like, first off, ma'am, two things wrong about that sentence. First off, um, I didn't tell her she can't sing. We all saw it. And this is the first, this is not an opinion. You're making it sound like I have an opinion. This is sun, yellow, your daughter can't sing. Okay, this is, this is objective. I didn't say all that. But I did say the second thing. I said, oh, your daughter loves to sing for God? She said, yes, that's what worship is. She sings for God. I said, well, in that case, I got the solution. She don't got to be on the worship team if she wants to sing for God. 
She could do that in the shower. <laughs> I mean, if we're just singing for God, you can do that in the shower, but we sing for God on the worship team and we sing for people. And I was kind of being funny, hoping that the humor would break some of the ice that we were experiencing. But at the same time, this is a message in this. When we're singing for God, he don't care. If we're off beat, if we're off rhythm, if we can't keep the note, if we forget half the lyrics, like Victoria forgot half the lyrics, he doesn't care because all he wants for you is to sing for him. Now let's replace singing with living. When you are living your life, you might live a little off beat sometimes. You might live a little off rhythm sometimes. You might not live every morning, wake up on key. You might not go to bed every night and be on beat, but when we live and worship and sing for God, he's the only one in heaven who just applauds and looks at us and says, look at, he gets the angels around us and look at her. I love the way she sings. I love the way she loves her neighbors. I love the way she loves her husband. I love the way he takes care of his kids. He doesn't get it right all the time. But when I'm the audience, the audience of one, it's okay. Because I'm with you and I give it up for them very much. Thank you so much. That's appearances. Appearance works different than acceptance. When you're accepted, you don't have to pretend. You don't got to put in the effort like that. You don't got to run all the time. I got justice with me here in the first service because he's a little sick. And the other night I went up to him and I said, hey, good night, puppy. Love you. And then I looked him in the eyes and I said, I'm proud of you. I just want you to know I'm proud of you. And he asked me a question after I said, I'm proud of you. And it broke my heart. It made me so sad. He wasn't trying to make me sad. It made me sad. He looked at me. He said, and I don't know where he learned it. Something I did or Liz did. Probably Liz did it. Or, <laughs> or, or the world did. He looked at me, he said, proud for what? Like the message inside that conversation was because we only get proud for people when they do things that are worth praise. So daddy, what did I do? And I stepped back off the, the, the bunk bed and I said, what did you do? You're my son. That's why I'm proud of you. This isn't mind games, what I'm teaching you today. This isn't psychology. This is Christianity. The reason why I can live my life in a state of acceptance is because when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I became a son of God, and I never have to perform again. I never have to preach a home run again. I don't have to give away all my money to the poor. If he asks me to, I'll do what I got to do. But just by being a son of God, God looks down at you and goes, I'm proud of you. What did I do, God? What did you do? You changed it. What did you do? You're Brian. You're RJ. What did you do? You're Justice. You're my son. That's why I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you because of that. And no other reason. If you're looking for a Bible verse to back that up, Hebrews 10, 14. Read it. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done. For everyone who takes part in the purifying. Are, did you hear that? He said he did everything that needed to be done. I am perfect not because of what I did. But I'm perfect and can live my life out of acceptance because of what he did. It's he did. He did. That's the best and your best. Let me give you the last one really quickly and we'll explain this in a minute. The best has no limits. You don't know when to stop when you're living to be the best. But your best embraces your limits. Luke 21, 1 through 4. Just then he looked up and saw the rich people dropping offerings in the collection plate. And then he saw a poor widow put in two pennies, just two pennies. And he said, the plain truth is that this widow was given by far 
the largest offering today, and all these others made offerings that they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she could not afford. She gave her all. She wanted to give, but she didn't have a lot of money. I can't imagine. Can you imagine the woman, if the widow, what if she had gone to church that day and said, I want to give God the best? Had she said that, her two pennies would have stayed in her pocket. Because two pennies is not the best offering, especially in light of what everyone else is bringing. But she had a different mentality. She said, I'm going to come to church, and I'm not going to give him the best because I don't have it. I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to give her my best. I'm going to give God my best. Had she lived to give the best, she would have done one of two things. Because she didn't really know what they put in there. The offering bucket back then was actually a treasure chest, and it had a big opening in the top, but you couldn't see what was in there. It wasn't like glass. And so if she was going to do the best, first off, she would have had to know what those people put in the treasure chest, which is a problem if you're trying to live the best life, by the way, because the best, by definition, requires comparison. Because if you say, I'm going to be the best, well, then that implies you're trying to be better than. But better than who? Because you see people put stuff on the internet, and you see lives, and I see churches and pastors, and I go, man, I would love to have that. But when you don't know what they put in, how do you know what to put in? And so we hustle and hustle and hustle and work and work and work 60 plus hours a week and no vacation and grinding and grinding and grinding, trying to catch up to somebody. And we don't even know what, what they put in. It's like this, real quick, Pastor Joy, would you, would you come up in here and help me and Nixon? Nixon, can you help me put your mask on and, and come up and run real quick? Yeah, so uh, Pastor Joey, um, I want you to just stand right here and look this way, okay? And then Nixon, I want you to run to the other side of the stage. Yeah, awesome. And then I want you to stay right there, Nixon. And uh, Nixon, uh, before service started, Pastor Joey and I, we were having some fun. We were doing some racing. And, uh, and we were trying to time Pastor Joey because he just came back from vacation and he's all rested up and also because he's been jogging lately. And so this man is like a marathon runner now. And so you're going to get looking good, bro. And, uh, and so we were racing and, and Pastor Joey ran this race and Pastor Joey ran this race in under two seconds. Like one, two, before I said two, he got here. But here's what I think, Nixon. You're a pretty jacked dude. If I had to put money on it, I think you could outrun Pastor Joey. I think you could do a better time than Pastor Joey's time. So Nixon, I'm going to count to three. Not really. I'm going to say ready, set, go. And when I say go, I want you to run as fast as you can. I want you to try and get to me in under two seconds. Get in your position. All right. How many think Nixon can do it? Yeah. All right, Nixon. Ready, set, go. When I say it. Oh, my fault. I didn't mean to do that to you. Ready, set, go. One, two. Oh, Nixon, you were like that close, bro. Try it again. One more time. One more time. One more time. Sprinter's position, sprinter's position, sprinter's position. Ready, set, go. One, two. Oh, Nixon! Failure. <laughs> Come here, Nixon. If Nixon keeps trying to run this race, Nixon is going to do one of two things. Either one, he's going to practice, 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 right? Because in his mind, if Pastor Joey can do it, I can do it. So I'm going to keep hustling, I'm going to just keep grinding, and I will get that sub-two time. Or, Nixon goes, that is impossible. 
and I am not going to run this race any longer at all. Both choices are bad choices. The reason why Nixon is losing the race is because Nixon didn't get all the information because he doesn't have all the information. Pastor Joey ran this race in under two seconds, but Nixon, I forgot to tell you, my bad. <laughs> I forgot to tell you that when Pastor Joey ran this race this morning, I gave him a head start. Ready, set, go. One. You didn't know that, did you? No. So why were you measuring your win against his win? I didn't give Nixon what I gave Pastor Joey. Pastor Joey's race is different than Nixon's race because I gave them different things. What God gave you is not what God gave someone else. So you can't measure your success by how someone else win their race. Put it in the chat if you're watching me. That's not my race. Write it in the notebook because you can remember it. That's not my race. When you see somebody killing it on Instagram, that's not my race. When you see somebody who's got a million TikTok followers and you want to be famous, that's not my race. When you see someone else is great, someone else's kids, someone else's husband, someone else's wife, that's not my race. I'm going to run my race with the gifts God gave me, the talent God gave me, the time God gave me, the ability God gave me, the wife God gave me, the kids God gave me, the church God gave me, the skin color God gave me, the ethnicity God gave me, the parents God gave me, the mentors God gave me, the money God gave me. I'm going to run my race with what he gave me because he's never asked me to be the best. He only ever wants Wanted. He only ever wanted. He only ever wanted. That's all he ever wanted. Your best. Not what someone else had. He didn't give you the same stuff. So don't be, y'all can sit down, thank you. So don't be jealous when you see somebody, you know, super gifted and talented that can do all that singing. I look at them and I go, woo, you must have to run that in sub two, huh? Not me. God didn't make me fast. I got like a 10-second thing to run this thing. I don't, I don't feel bad for you. I feel bad for you. I'm glad because I just got to be me. It's what acceptance means. Right, here's the question. Now, how do you know that? How do you know if, by the way, Nixon lost the race as soon as he thought he was running against someone else? It wasn't, a, it wasn't that kind of race. You win your race when you finish it. That's all you got to do. It's finished your race. That's why Paul said, I ran the race that God set before me. You got a race that's set before you. Don't look over the shoulder of somebody else. Now, how do you know? How do you know? Here's the question my wife asked me the other day. She said, how do you know if you're giving enough? Like, if, how do you know that you're not being lazy? How do you know that you're challenging yourself? Like, because to go over the limit will destroy your life and your family working crazy hours, trying to make crazy money to beat somebody who doesn't even know your name. But do you know that it is equally detrimental to go under the limit? Like, to not hit your limit? In fact, I find in life, most people struggle with depression in context of this limit, not because they wish they can give something that they don't have, but because they realize that there's something more inside of them that they can't get out. That's the majority of people. That's fine. I don't need to be him, but you're like, 
there's something special on the inside. And, and it won't come out of me. God, how do, you, how do you get it out? How do I hit the limit fully? How do I do it? Two things. One, you set the limit. You set the limit. It's on the screen. You set the limit. Do you have limits? Like, let me ask you a question, entrepreneur, business owner. When do you clock out? Because you need to clock out at some point. Don't bring your work home. Set a limit. 5 p.m. And then the most work that you can do up until 5 p.m., guess what? You just hit the limit. How do I know it's enough? It's enough because you set the limit. I know you got a lot of young people, you got a lot of you know, sports and, and a lot of clubs and hobbies. How do I know I'm given enough time to my athletic pursuits or my music pursuits? Easy, here's the limit. I'm gonna work on that, but on Sunday, that's the Lord's day. So that's the limit. If God wants to turn me into an Olympic athlete, he's gonna have to do that Monday through Saturday because that's my race. That's my limit. So you set your limit. And then once you set your limit in home, at work, in church, once you set your limit, because that's another thing. I, some of y'all, I would love for you to get involved. You're, you're waiting for the right time. You're waiting to get healed. Amen. Some other people are very rare, but some other people, you're like on eight different teams. You're in like 20 different small groups. <laughs> set a limit. Set a limit so that you can do this for a long time and serve your family and serve God. Set a limit. Set a limit. I'm going to be on a team. I'm going to be in a small group. I'm coming to church on Sunday. That's my limit. And whatever God can do in that, do it. The second thing, once you set the limit, number two, don't hold back. Give it all. Give it all you got. That's what the woman did. That's what the woman did. Luke 21, 4, she gave extravagantly. She gave her all. She gave her all. Well, how do I know if I'm giving your all? There's nothing left. That's how you know. Jaylene, can you help me real quick? You didn't know that I was going to do this, but come up here real quick. Jaylene, I need your help. Jaylene. I, uh, I got a watch backstage. I want to wear it. I got like a dinner at the end of this. It's a real nice watch. But the battery's dead. And I need a very special battery for this watch. It's not the, uh, you know, the little round ones, little three volt batteries that are like circles that are like you lose it. They're really hard to find. I need one of those three volt batteries. Huh? Backstage? No, no, for the watch that's backstage. So can you give me one? Well, yeah, the dinner is after church, so. You don't have a battery? Jaylene, I need a three-volt battery, and I'm asking you for a three-volt battery, Jaylene. You can go get me one? Jaylene, check your back pockets. What's that? She said, you're lying. <laughs> It's not a magic trick, Jaylene. He's like, oh, I've seen this in Vegas. Jaylene. Jaylene didn't think she had it. But what she didn't know is that before service, I gave this to Jen. And I said, Jen, put this in the back pocket of somebody without them noticing. So she went up to Jaylene and said, Jaylene, there's something wrong with your back pocket. And she adjusted her back pocket and slipped at the battery in the back pocket. Jaylene was like, dang, Jen, do we need to pray for you? Like, what's going on? You really getting in there. And here's my point. Jaylene didn't think she had the power. But I knew that she did 
because I put it in her. You see, Jaylene, God will never ask you for something that he doesn't already know you have. But you know where you messed up, Jaylene? Not that you didn't believe, but you didn't even check. What's inside of you? You would just back up from, not even attempt, because you think that you have it, but you even, you haven't even checked the depth of your spiritual maturity. You haven't even checked the depth of your wisdom. You haven't even checked the depth of your talent and your skills, and you never will until, this is the revelation, this is the revelation, get ready. And you never will until God puts you in a situation where you gotta go looking for something you thought you never had. That's what trials are for. That's what suffering does. It puts you in situations that say, oh my, if I'm gonna get through this, I, there gotta be something inside of me because I don't think I have the strength. Oh, what's that? Strength, oh my goodness, what about that? Where's that come? Oh my gosh, it's grace, it's mercy. I didn't know I had it until I lost my son. I didn't know I had it until my wife got sick. I didn't know I had it until I lost the job. I didn't know I had it until I couldn't feel God anymore. But when he put me in the fire, I realized there was more situation this morning, this afternoon, when you feel like you ain't got it, let me tell you, God wouldn't put you there if he didn't put what you needed in you. You got it. You got it. You got it. Say standing all over this room, you've got it. You've got it. But he had to put you in a situation where you'd go looking for it. Or you'd have never known what you have. We're going to close standing up all over this room. I want to pray. I want to pray for you right now. You're in a situation where you don't think you got it. Just bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray for you right now. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill their hearts right now, that they would recognize and realize, God, that they've got it, not on their own, but because you gave it to them, God. And it might not seem like a lot. It might not seem like just a little three-volt battery, but you've never asked them for the best. You just asked them for their best, just their best, just their best. Come on, all over this room right now, I dare you to give God your best worship right now. Come on, I dare you to give him your best praise right now. Not the best praise, but your best praise. What does your best praise look like? What does your best worship look like? Come on, don't stay there looking at me. I dare you, give God your best worship. Give Give God your best hand clap. Give God your best shout. Give God your best love. It's all he ever wanted. He doesn't need you to be a millionaire. He doesn't need you to have a mansion. He just wants your best. Give him your best this afternoon. Give him your best praise. Come on, your best song, your best singing, your best worship, your best love. Give him your best. I give you my best praise this morning, Lord, all of me. Leave nothing in the tank. Pour it out like the woman who gave those pennies. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Yeah. Father God, we thank you 
for all that you've done. We give you our best because you gave us your best. You didn't ask an angel to die on the cross. You didn't ask a seraphim or a cherubim. You gave your one and only son. When you looked at heaven for the thing to serve as the sacrifice for humanity, you gave us your best. For God so loved the world, he gave his best. His one and only son. But whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. To anybody in the room today, if you feel like your best is not enough, like you've hit the limit here in church, like you've, you've hit the limit with God, like I can't do this religion thing, JJ, I can't. I keep sinning, I keep failing, I keep making mistakes, I, I keep making poor choices. Listen to me, God can work with you on those things. He doesn't want you to stay in that lifestyle. He can transform you, but we've got grace for the meantime. We got a God who says, that's okay, give me your best and I'll work on the rest. Give me your best and I'll work on the rest. Give me your best and I'll work on the rest. So all over this room, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to that the decision that Mark said, you feel a, 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 the Holy Spirit of fire in your chest right now, saying, I need to give my life back to God. Or maybe you did it once when you were younger, but your relationship with him is far gone. Hey, all over this room, if you wanna make that decision today, I'm gonna just count to three. And I want you to raise your hand. If you're watching online, you can throw a little hand emoji. I'm making the decision right now, all over this room. I'm gonna give God my best because I'm far from him. You want a relationship with Jesus? When I say three, one, two, three right now. Shoot your right hand up to the sky if that's you. Come on, I see it all over this room. Come on, one, two, three, four. I want a relationship with Jesus right now. Yes. Go ahead, put your hands down. Journey Church and worship team, pray this prayer with me. Father God, Father God, I don't think I have it, but I know you do. This is my best. As broken as I am, this is my best. As hurting as I am, this is my best. I give you my heart, sin and all, pain and all, mistakes and all, receive my best, amen. And on behalf of Jesus Christ, let me tell you what he says. I'll receive your best. Come on, put your hands together and welcome the four or five people who made a decision to follow Jesus this morning. Come on, you can do better than that, Journey Church. Welcome them home. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.